Well, let me let me just get this launched and then I'll I'll get started. Okay, Mr. iPhone or Mrs. iPhone, welcome to our call. Okay, so uh, hey, I'm Bill Gross, uh, real estate broker in Los Angeles, California, with EXP Realty, and this is uh, Probate Weekly. We just renamed this call. Probate Weekly. We do it every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific time. And we live stream it on YouTube as well as um, uh, you can sign up and join us on the Zoom call through Eventbrite at probateweekly.com. And this is really designed. My vision of this call is that we have uh, a range from brand new investors, wholesalers, uh, and realtors to experienced. Uh, and um, But, but be a, a working group. We're all here either trying to get better at, improve our sales business, or looking for deals or have deals that we're looking to sell or have deals that we have problems on that we want to try to get solved focused in the area of probate. And I bill myself as the probate expert. My particular expertise is in Los Angeles County um, sales that need court confirmation. I can say that um, I don't think there's anybody who knows more about the process than I do. There's a few that have done more over the years than I have, but even they, I don't think are as up to date on the specific rules and guidelines and procedures as I am. That's my particular expertise. Um, I represent investors buying property at probate court. I represent states and attorneys uh, who have to sell properties that need uh, court approval. And then I also help investors, wholesalers, realtors who get deals and they get stuck and need some help unraveling that. So that's my specialty. So um, you know, a couple of things I wanted to share today. One is, um, um, who knows what a conservatorship is? It's a piece of probate business. It's a niche called conservatorships. Joanne. Well, I had a client in East LA. She called me, she wanted to sell her home, but her mom had dementia and they were on the property. They took the title as tenant in common. And so she asked, she asked me, what do I need to do in order to sell this home? I said, well, you're going to have to contact a real estate attorney because since your mother would not be able to go through and execute all of the documents and she, um, and you're telling me she has dementia, then you're going to have to go through a conservatorship. Meaning right. you got to, you have to go through probate court. And I really didn't know the entire procedure, but I said, it's, um, it's supposed to be very expensive. And right now she's not interested in selling the home because she contacted the attorney and she, and she texts me, she says, this really appears to be complicated because she has other siblings, she's married. And um, she said, well, I guess I'm not gonna be selling my house anytime soon. So yeah, all that's, all that's the case. <laughs> um, so a conservatorship is a, an entity that's created by the government, most commonly the county government, Los Angeles, Los Angeles County, creates an entity to protect a person who's not an adult, who's not competent to make their own decisions. So as Joanne said, if uh, somebody has dementia, they can't make the decision to sell their house on their own legally. So what would happen would be somebody, family members or whoever, would, would go to court and say, please, um, we want to create a conservatorship to make decisions for a parent. Decisions can include you know, uh, buying and selling property, healthcare decisions. Maybe they're refusing to go to a care and they need to. And then, the, as you can imagine, the court is taking away the rights of this person. Um, so it should be a very high bar. You know, in the old days, I remember stories of people who were incompetent being committed to asylums against their will. And we made the bar for that decision by the government much higher. And while it's, it's unpopular, there's so many people who are mainly incompetent on the streets um, the flip side is we don't have people as easily put away against their will. That's the trade-off. Uh, people who are incompetent make decisions, but too young for purposes of age, that's called a guardianship. So uh, those are two different entities that are created. Somebody petitions the court to create it. Um, and then the court has to approve it. 
and one's appointed to be um, the, uh, the custodian of the estate for the conservatorship to help those persons um, uh, make their decisions. So I've been uh, representing a conservatorship for the last, I don't know, about the last year or so on property we have in escrow. And um, you know, they would need court confirmation uh, because the court says, okay, uh, you can sell the property, but we're gonna invoke the same procedures we would uh, if it was a probate. You have to uh, publish the sale, you have to meet certain criteria. And then if somebody wants to come into court and overbid on the property, they have the right to do that. And so you can imagine it, it adds money on top of money on top of money in terms of legal expenses and procedures and fees and things like that. So I had a case recently where we have property in escrow in a conservatorship and the uh, seller passed. The person the conservatorship is created for passed. What do you think happens in that case? Anybody have any guess? Well, what happens if anybody is in escrow and passes? What happens to the contract? It's not, it's not void. It's null and void because the person did pass. I mean, you don't have a contract anymore. Right. It is void. It's voided. It's, it's uh, no longer a valid contract. So a conservatorship as well. However, in this case, the conservator, before he passed, moved the properties into a trust. So now the properties, um, uh, the contract's void, but they can go ahead and sell the property and avoid probate. So really important that when you get people who have conservatorships, uh, by definition, or I should say most commonly, people have illnesses, they're, they're in a coma, they have dementia, their life expense is shorter as a result. And so one of the first things that should be done is put the properties in a trust so that um, it's easier to, to sell the property than having to go through the whole court process. And then particularly if they pass, it makes the whole process simpler and easier. So that's, that's a short version on conservatorships and guardianships, but they're very expensive. Um, legal fees to set up. They're very cumbersome. All your business is being handled in court now. Um, things that used to be private now are being filed with the court. People can see who gets what, who gets how much. Very famous case of a conservatorship right now going on is Britney Spears. If you remember Britney Spears, you know she's an actress and singer uh, who um, I think due to drug problems and was declared incompetent to handle her affairs with her family or children. And uh, her father is her conservator. He got a conservatorship appointed, I think a temporary conservatorship. But And um, when you go to court, there's a hearing scheduled for, on her case about every couple months for various things. And if you ever go there on those days, there's people who protest in front of the court, 20 or 30 people, uh, free Britney. And then there's camera crews following the people saying free Britney because Britney's been trying to get out of the conservatorship saying she's recovered and doesn't want her father to manage her affairs or he's done something's wrong. It's a whole, you know, legal fights. Everybody's got an opinion, but that's a famous case of a conservatorship. But here's a woman who's got millions of dollars, and they didn't, you know, uh, they uh, not competent make own affairs and um, has a conservatorship. So they're very cumbersome. I see Sal, your hand is raised, but you're muted. Sal's hands raised. No. You have a question or not? No, I think you, you would need to unmute if you want to um, ask a question. Anybody would like to, your best way to um, uh, ask questions is you put in the chat box, raise your hand, or just unmute yourself and jump in. I'm, I'm fine with that. We don't, we're not quite that busy where it's a problem. Um, okay, so that's, that's a little bit of conservatorships, a little bit on guardianships. Another piece of the puzzle of probate that I think is fascinating. And I learn stuff about it all the time. Um, Anybody have any questions, challenges, or problems regarding probate real estate you'd like to share with us today? Quiet group. No? Uh, Peggy. Peggy, raise your hand. Yes, you can go to the restroom, Peggy. Go ahead. No, I have a problem. I'm here to help. Uh, my brother-in-law put uh, everything he had in a trust irrevocable trust uh when that went into the trust there was no assignment created where the properties there's two properties 
re were recorded. So there's no assignment that moved the property out of his name into the trust. Right. And he died. Right. Very common. And um, the um, people that own the note or that are to pay on the note stopped paying on the note. And uh, they did get an offer for a property for one of the properties, and we couldn't sell the property because the note is not in. It's not. Peter's dead. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. So I was thinking maybe I could call the. Um, it's in South. It's in I don't know South Carolina or North Carolina or someplace, and I mm -hmm. thought I could call the title company and see if they had a resolution, but. I thought I'd talk to you. Well, thank you. I'd be glad to reach out. If you figure out which state it is in, I'd be glad to try to find a colleague who, uh, in one of the states. In California, I know the answer to the problem. I, I don't know the answer if it's the same or not. In California, I, I, let me back up. It used to be common that if you had a trust and you wanted to refinance, the lenders would make you deed the property out of the trust and then you'd have to remember to deed it back in. The lenders didn't want to be responsible. The escrows didn't want to be responsible. And as a result, customers really got screwed. They had properties, they spent money on trusts and didn't get the legal protections they were afforded. It happened a lot. Now, at some point, lenders changed the rules. And nowadays, they'll review the trust and allow it to stay in the trust, given certain conditions. But there's two circumstances. Some of those people never put the properties back in the trust. Second, I forget the number, but I want to say like, over half of people who do trusts never fund the trust. They never put the assets that they wanted to protect into the trust. There's a, there are cases also where people get a trust set up and then buy another property out of the trust, never don't remember to put that in. So there was a famous court case in California called Hagstead, H-A-A-G-S-T-A-D, Hagstead. And in the Hagstead case, the, the uh, uh, just to summarize, I'm not an attorney, I'm not giving a legal opinion, but I've seen enough of these in court to know, and I've seen the filings and I've heard presentations by attorneys, that basically it's saying the intention of the party was clear. They, they wrote a trust and it references putting all their assets and it lists all the assets they had at the time, that it was their intention to put this asset also in the trust. Maybe they listed 10 properties and left one off as an example. Or again, they, they, they had it in the trust and they pulled it out. Obviously the intention was to put it back in. They only pulled it out for the purpose of a refinance. So depending on the circumstances um, uh, and depending on if there's other parties opposing the petition, I've seen a wide variety of cases where people who have property outside of trust were able to get it deeded in the trust. Now, again, that's a California case. Um, certainly similarities in most states. I find these issues are usually common in other states. In other states aren't as particular on the law as California is on details, but it's certainly worth asking uh, if that's the case elsewhere, because the problem is the same everywhere. It's just, I know the solution in California because that's where I've worked. But again, if you send me the, the particular um, state and property address, I'd be glad to send to a colleague, have them pull the title up, see what they can find and see if they can help. Yes, yeah, so that's why I was thinking title company they would be the ones that cared about that, right? Yeah, I don't think they're going to answer your question. I think the uh, a real estate agent could, could call an attorney they work with and get an answer for you. I think that'd be the, the best way to go. And, and if, if the solution is filing this competition, they'd be the people to do it for you. So well, I, I did, Yeah, I called it uh, um, with Legal Shield, and the first thing they said is it needs to be probated. And I'm like, why does it need to be probated? I don't know enough about probate to understand that it's listed in this it's listed in the like you said it's listed in the trust it never right. got funded well they may know the local state law i don't know that particular state but like i said california one option yeah he died in california therefore they're assuming it's a california probate but the property's in south carolina well, it could be a california probate it could be done in california so you Even might want that, it to be you might want it to be done in California. You can do the Hegstead. If they don't do them in South Carolina, you might uh, you could look if if, Cal, if South Carolina allows you to do it there, you can do it there. California, we do probates here where people are residents here, die here, and but they have out of state property, um, and then you could have the court you know write the order to move it into the 
to the trust. What does that usually run about? Do you have to actually go to court? It's not cheap. I mean, uh, uh, how, how expensive is the property? Uh, the property's worth under $10,000. Wow. Yeah. Well, a California probate is, uh, if the whole estate uh, assets are under $150,000. Way uh, under, yeah. Then you can do a, I forget the term for it, small probate or small state probate, where it's a much more streamlined process for things like this. So it might be worth it might be worth probating, just because it's not that it's not a normal house. I've I've never seen it done in these small properties. So I've only seen bigger ones where you have more legal fees involved. But I think a smaller one, you could probably probate it if the state's under one fifty, and, and it might be the easiest way to go. Hi, Bill. My name is Mark, and I was wondering, could you please? Um, I was a few minutes late. Tell us like what the the uh, purpose of this particular meeting is and what we're going to be uh, discussing. Okay. Hold on just one second. Peggy, did, I, did we answer your question? Oh, it created more questions. So yes, thank you. <laughs> well, maybe we can talk offline if I can help you offline. I'd be glad to, but this is the kind of stuff I want to work on. So, you know, to answer your question, Mark, you know, I, I'm a real estate agent. I'm not selling anything. My goal is to get people who want to who are working in probate real estate, want to work in probate real estate, want to learn about it, uh, to share ideas, share problems. I love people to bring properties to sell here. I love people to bring, uh, they have properties under contract to either wholesaler or off market real estate. And we have investors who like probate situations. So um, uh, I've been doing this for about a year. Um, and um, about as simple as that, I, I, you know, I've opened, I, I've sometimes been guests on, I've had attorneys, accountants, different vendors, um, but it's really designed to help. My vision of this group is uh, we're a group of working together to help support each other. Um, you know, I think real estate, just for everybody, I would say, I really believe in society. Most people live quiet, desperate, lonely lives. I think we all need more human interaction. And in real estate in particular, it's can be a very lonely business when we, you know, prospect and get rejection and deals fall apart and it's very emotional at times. And so having a place where you can talk to people who know you, trust you, like you. So my goal was to create this as a workspace for us to get together once a week and evaluate deals, solve each other's problems, um, learn a little bit about probate, start off today with a little content on conservatorships um, and, uh, and to create a, a network of referrals. You know, here Peggy's looking for a, maybe a real estate agent in South Carolina, uh, or maybe not in this case, but, but we get referrals from time to time out of state in other areas and want to create a sense of referrals. So that's my goal for the for the meeting, Mark. And if you have questions, we can talk offline. We can more like go over it in detail. Mark, what okay, do you do? Thank you. you real estate investor or um, real estate agent? What do you do? Real estate agent. Where are you located? Uh, Los Angeles. Oh, neighbor of mine. So uh, yeah, hopefully we'll share some more stories. Are you, do you work in probate actively? Is it something you're looking to get into? Uh, no, the reason I, that I was interested in your discussion is, I mean, I've seen your meetup for years, and I know you're an expert in this area. Um, just wanted to, the title, I think, of this was like how to how to get your first probate deal. So I was just mm -hmm. curious, like, how um, is this talk going to be structured in terms of that that particular goal? Got it. So we just so that's a great question, uh, Bill. The topic uh, says how do you get your first sale, and and now, but I'll just share with you, Mark. We I've rebranded this call now. Uh, most recently, um, I'm st still in the process of updating everything, probate weekly. And oh, so I, okay. I do want to help people get the first probate sale. And I think that's a question we get on this call regularly. And, and I, it, it's a great question. Um, one wants to get regular. So let me, let me take, take the opportunity just to answer that one straight on. Um, when you buy data, most companies will tell you there's two ways to get probate sales, whether you're an investor or wholesaler. They'll tell you, you can buy data and market to petitioners, uh, which works. I've done it. You call them, mail them both, uh, door knock. Or you can market to attorneys, call, mail, much harder, much harder cold call attorneys. I know, I know one guy who did it, started 15 years ago, has made a career of it. I haven't met anybody who's done that since. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm not saying you can't get some occasional business, but I don't know anybody who made a career out of that. I've identified nine ways to make 
a sale and probate, nine other ways, 11 total. For brand new agents, <clears throat> I think that the, the best way to get involved in probate, because you have to build your sphere of influence and start with that. I think you can also look in the MLS for all probate properties uh, in your geographic area, adding that into your business model and preview them all and look at them all. And, and if, you know, when you find the occasional deal, publicize that to your group as an area that you're a specialist in. But I think it has to be a piece of your business when you're starting out especially, but you really have to focus on some other things. As an experienced agent, I tell them the easiest way to get a deal is to integrate probate into your business. And this is true for investors or any salespeople. Integrate it into your regular past client of influence marketing as a way to avoid probate, get a living trust, um, identify your database, segment your database for those who have a living trust and those that don't, those that don't promote them to get one, those that do, ask them who did it. If they're happy, ask to meet that attorney to refer business to them. It's the easy way to meet attorneys is, hey, my, my clients, Mary and, and Joe, who bought a house for me, had a trust and said, you're the greatest. And I talked to other prospective homeowners who need trusts. Are you still writing new living trusts for clients like them? And in, in non-COVID times, it's a, that conversation should end up with an invitation for coffee or for lunch. Um, now, I just summarized you know, an hour-long talk I do. I do a, a talk 11 ways to get probate sales. And then I do one segment each week. I've done that in some various formats. And I'll be doing that um, here you know, over time. But, um, so that's, there's 11 different ways. And I would say, depending on who you are, and Mark, I would offer to you, if you want to give me a call you know, offline, I, be glad to share with you and find out more about what you do in particular and maybe help you, uh, you know, in a short call, get some strategies on how to do that for yourself personally. Okay. Oh, I do have a quick question for you, if, if that's okay. Um, yeah. Do you think that um, in terms of the, the prices and the values that you can get in a probate sale, um, is there just a lot of competition that the prices end up being this, basically the market rates? So there's no, there's no advantage of going through the probate system because you're, it's just going to end up to being the same price as you know, stuff you find on the MLS. I'd say that um, like all niches, the majority are pretty much close to market price. There's some that are a little bit of a discount. And then I've been able to find from my investors um, to a month that are worth buying and, and making money on. Now, when you talk about, when you talk about, uh, let's say, let's talk about for a second, fix and flip properties, right? When you buy a fix and flip, you're buying something that's not just cheap because it's in probate, but it's, it's the before picture, the before and after, right? Somebody lived there for 50 years and very commonly, older people don't maintain the property. They didn't need to. They only lived in a couple of the rooms. But there's a lot of deferred maintenance. Maybe it needs to be completely remodeled or re, you know, refreshed and updated, recarpeted, painted. Could be more substantial. Um, or it could be neglected for years. You know, oftentimes, old people have been living in a home for two, three years, or they passed two or three years ago before the probate happens, and the property's really run down. And so... I would say there's a, there's a market price for that flip property. And flippers are always looking for, how do I find a property at that market price? Uh, you know, I can buy a property that's only worth 400,000 in its present condition. And if I can add, if I can spend 50 or 60,000, and I'm into it for 460, but I can sell it for say 550, fully retail ready to go. Uh, with a retail buyer who can maybe get an FHA loan and put 3% down. So to answer your question, I would say there's two aspects to it. I think that for the guy who's fixing and flipping or the gal who's buying properties for the purpose of reselling them, that they're always looking for, they're always looking for opportunities and that they're not necessarily going to get it below the value for that property by much, but the nature of properties and those conditions are what they're looking for. They're looking to buy you know, old, old clothes and they're going to recondition them and sell them as new or as refreshed or remodeled, refurbished. Um, I do think for that buyer of the property, they're going to get about a three to 5% discount to the price of the property in that condition. Meaning 
the same property, I believe, if it sells uh, on the MLS at 400,000, I think you can buy it at probate court for 385. 380, maybe 385. So if you're buying properties at 400,000 <coughs> for the purpose of fixing them up, spending 50, 60,000 to sell them at 550, if you can buy them for 385, that's that's some extra savings. It's not a, a lot, but it is a savings of maybe $15,000. So most of these properties go to professional fix and flippers. Um, and the other thing I would say to you, Mark, is that I talk to investors every day who will say to me, well, I'll look at property anywhere. I know that's not true. Um, I know they're not going to buy anywhere. If I, ask, if I look at where they bought, most commonly it's not anywhere. <clears throat> Typically, they're going to buy a certain area geographically they like better for whatever reasons. A certain type of product they like better. So I would say that <clears throat> if you're fixing flipper in a certain area, let's say in the, in the valley, let's say particularly east of the 405, north of Ventura Boulevard, I don't know, within a couple of square miles. <clears throat> There's only so many properties that turn over there that are candidates for fix and flipper. If you're in the business, you gotta buy one at the wholesale price and you're gonna fix it and sell it at the retail price. So I, I'd say for the professional investors that are there, they're, they're not there for the brand new investor who doesn't know what he's doing because his margins are gonna be higher because he's spending more money on things. <clears throat> Does that help answer your question a little bit? Close. Yeah, so it sounds like um, there's still a value add opportunity, just like in the open market, is what you're mm -hmm. saying. Yeah, well, there's the same value add opportunity, and sometimes it's a little better deal because you've gone through probate, and I think probate has a little more. You're buying it. You're buying it differently, right? If you're buying in the MLS, uh, you have certain you know certain privileges or rights or procedures uh, that you don't have in probate court. Probate court. If you're buying it overbid, you're buying it as is, you've already done your all your due diligence, there's no backing out. And you put 10% cash up front. Um, you could buy it in the MLS before it goes to court, if it's gonna to go to court, or you can buy probates that don't need to go to court. I think for a, for a new agent, finding the ones that don't need to go to court would be the more fruitful place. I would I'd pull them all. Look. If I was a new agent, I would have a fairly defined, much smaller geography and, and pull every new listing that shows up there. And if there's some probates, I would check it out and come on this call and I'd be glad to help you figure out what, what that particular property means. <clears throat> Most agents, when they're new, I, I, mean, I literally had my coach this week, you know, my territory is uh, the 110 freeway to the ocean and from uh, Long Beach to uh, you know, the North Valley. And like, no, you, you're never going to learn anything about any of those properties, you really need to pick pick one area. And I got him down to, uh, what was the area he picked? One area was like uh, View Park or something. And they call me back an hour later, no, no, all of 90016. And, and I'm trying to get him to pick a smaller area and then master that and then grow out a little bit. Because I think that you have to have some expertise or value that you bring to the market to get paid. If you're just, if, you, if you're the master of everything, you're really the master of nothing. Um, and so I, to answer your question, yeah, I'd say there's, there's the, the opportunities exist in the marketplace for value add, and there might be a premium uh, for some of the probates. I, I look for ones that have a premium, just like other agents might look for those in the MLS, where there may be a little below market or could be had below market. Um, and the thing I like about probate is there's a defined date and a defined price. So for me as a businessman, that works well for my business model. Okay, I hate to dominate the conversation, but I do have one more question and I'll let other people have a chance. Um, Go ahead. Go ahead. So as a, as a, thank you. Yeah. Great explanations, by the way. Thank you. Um, as a newer agent, how do we find, you know, these listings, um, probate listings, um, are the judges there? Like, you know, they have a list of agents and they go just down the list. Okay. I gave it to, to Bill last time. I'll give it to Mark this time. I'll, you know, how do you get probate listings? We've seen them in the MLS, and we know that Kennedy Wilson is a is a huge company that has, you know, um, probably what hundreds of probate listings. Well, okay, so you cover a couple of things. First, judges have nothing to do with the process; they approve the, the sales, but they don't have anything to do with who gets the listing. The listings are are ultimately uh, decided by the estate, which can be an executor or administrator, <clears throat> and are often guided by 
or sometimes are 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 the attorney. Sometimes the attorney is the executor. But what if the uh, what if the state? I'm sorry to interrupt you. What if the state is the uh, the executor because the person died in test state without a will? So they can die in test state, and a family member can still file a probate. In fact, most probates don't have a will. Uh, one of them, you know, so so that's not the issue. Uh, the the nor the state uh, rarely is the um, uh, executor administrator. There are uh, quite a few. You point out Candy Wilson, the most common um, estate, uh, the most common administrator is the County of Los Angeles. Um, uh, a couple of reasons why people might pass and they can't find heirs. That's when the county steps in. It could be that no heirs want the job and the county is going to force the sale because the property is abandoned. Property taxes aren't being paid. And so at least they'll generate the revenue by doing that. Um, so there's a couple of cases where the county is going to step in and um, they're the most common. They're not a majority, but they're the most common. And the county's approved vendor for their listings is Candy Wilson. The county of Los Angeles, as you can imagine, is a big enterprise. And they have a contract that they put out for bid. I want to say annually. They put out what's called a formal request for a proposal. And you have to uh, respond with a formal proposed contract and explaining how you're going to meet their particular needs. They do their listings at 4%, 2% to each side. Um, they get some benefits. Uh, you know, they get certain scheduling uh, benefits, um, but um, uh, it's a high volume operation and they're, they're a major national uh, uh, auction company. And um, they've won that contract as long as I've been in the business. Um, I don't know who would, who I would even recommend to compete with them because the size of the operation that that's involved is bigger than, than any real estate agent I'm familiar with. Um, and for my money, um, uh, you know, they do a good job for what they do. Um, that said, the rest of the listings are all determined one at a time by a, uh, a petitioner uh, or uh, they'll defer judgment to their attorney or get a referral from their attorney. So the way to get listings would be to before they're listed, <clears throat> would be to contact um, petitioners and contact attorneys or earn, earn that business somehow. Um, that's the business. So, and then the, your other question, how do you find those that are listed already? So uh, as a member of the MLS, you can uh, create a search and I'm a member of MLS.com or, or the combined LA Westside. Um, you can create a search and there's two different I think contract term is probate and keyword probate. I think there's two different ones to check. Uh, I've created a search. So for my business, every new probate that comes up that needs court, I get notified. Every one that comes up that doesn't need court, I get notified. I get to see the property and the description and who the listing agent is. And it's as simple as that. So if you create a search and I would, I, I always recommend to real estate agents, if you don't know how to do that, call the help desk. My experience is on average, your wait time is about a minute. And the help desk is great for the MLS. We pay really good dues to be members. It's expensive for a reason. One reason is they have great help and in, in training. So if you're an agent, contact them and figure out how to get that search done for yourself. Now, for most agents, I would say, what well, limit the search geographically also to the area they're really going to service. Or you might have two searches, one just to see all the listings and then one the area they're going to sell. I found it very helpful to get that search and read the remarks uh, of the top, you know, uh, realtors. What are they? What were they doing in their comments? How are they managing offers? What are they requiring as far as PED and things like that? Um, so definitely, I, I think as a newer agent, searching properties and reviewing the properties in detail is the best thing you can do as an agent by far. You can't see property today for the most part, right? You can't go to open houses. You can't. Um, like you used to. So, uh, but definitely use the MLS and search the properties that way. So hopefully Mark will give you a couple options there. Hand raised by Neil. Neil, how can I help you? Hey there. Hey, um, okay. So I'm an agent here in uh, South Florida and I started doing probate as my niche. Um, I did a few deals already and I liked it. So I got involved. I went to school and I got certified as a CPRES. Um, but, you know, that's great to get the certification. Everything looks good. Now I'm doing calls. I buy the leads. So I get, you know, I get the leads with the addresses and I, I, um, 
cross-reference them and get the phone numbers for the people. And I only deal with out-of-state owners. So, you know, I don't have to deal with meeting them at the property every day and stuff like that. It, it, may, it just, I try to like pinpoint what I wanted. I want out-of-state owners for the properties in my West Palm Beach area. Um, but when you, in the school, they tell you, should, as soon as you get the lead, call them. And then I actually hired a mentor. I had him for a couple of months. And he said, he likes to wait a little bit longer because, you know, when someone passes, you know, he, he said they don't want to deal with, uh, you know, selling the property right away. What, what are your thoughts on that? Who do you buy the data from? Um, through uh, MTI. I go um, uh, data, is it data yeah. first? Yeah. 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 MTI, I, Mike Torres, Inc. Yeah. Uh, does a good job. <clears throat> you go on his, uh, he has like a Facebook group. Are you on that Facebook yes, group training? I am. That's good I stuff. I, I listen on that too. Um, so, and then you get data from all Palm Beach County or just your area? You said I get it for I get it for Palm Beach and Broward. That's all. I can get it anywhere I want, but those are the two okay. counties I pull it for. But those two counties, like you said, yeah, I want. I don't want to go crazy in this. There's at least 200, 300 mm -hmm. leads each month for me in each yeah. county, and two or three hundred, and then other two hundred. How many are out of state? There's a two or three hundred out of staters, or those are out of staters. Yeah. Okay, so you, that's a. That's a good number then. And it is. So, so, um, and do you mail as well or no, I cold call. I try to pop out 25 to 50 a day. Good for you. 25 to 50 contacts or dials? Um, contacts. Well, no, excuse me. Let me see. Dials. And I'll leave information on the thing to give me a call back. So it's about an hour of phone calling a day. Uh, hour, hour and a half. Yeah. Okay. Especially um, when you get someone on, they, they like to tell you their whole life story a lot of right, times. Right, right, right. But, you know, you have to be sympathetic. I wouldn't wait. Um, I really? think that um, they, my experience is they filed the probate because they're ready to deal with the probate. They basically, okay. they walked into court. They know it's public information. Uh, and by the way, I don't know if you know this, but they're getting phone calls uh, from, from investors, yeah. getting calls from real time. Yeah. I know they are. That's yeah. why I wanted to wait, see what well, was laying around left over type of thing. Well, okay. I think, I think that's okay. But I think that, look, you can only call as much as you have time for and as much right. as you're going to do. So if you said to me, um, uh, should I call right away or wait? Um, I would still call right away because you're going to have a chance for more business right away than my waiting. How long in Florida today is the time period from the filing until they have the letters of authority? About two months. So um, yeah, here in LA, actually we're getting hearings now in two months again, down uh, to two months from three or four and um, though less than half get it on the first pass. So you're gonna have to wait at least two months. Right. Uh, uh, anyhow, but I do think that when you call people and you get them on the phone the first time and you're taking notes who they are, you can, you can get rid of the ones you don't want to deal with. You can hone in on the ones you want to deal with and get the backstory and who the person is and start the process with them. I have found that calling them and offering to go drive by the property, you give them a little more information. You know, you drive by and you notice something's wrong with you, you call them right away and tell them, hey, I notice there's a squatter, there's a this, there's right. a uh, Look in the windows. Uh, they're worried because the brothers live in the house. They hate the brother. And you go by and tell them, you know, he's there, he's got a car. That's currency in the relationship. And I also so, offer them, I'm sorry, I also offer them, look, if you need anything, I'm not pushing you for the, the real estate deal, but if you need a mover, if you need an estate yeah. person, since I'm here, yeah. I have a lot of people I've vetted already. Yeah. And they, they like that. Yeah. And I think especially today, you know, with interest rates going back up, I mean, I don't know that anybody really necessarily accepts that real estate values are going to go down, but if, if, if interest go up, sustained period of time, real estate values are going to go down. That's just how life works. And I think I might say, look, you're two months away at best, but it doesn't mean we can't get started now and knock out things that we can do today. If you have keys to the house and you have permission, we can clean up. We can't necessarily sell anything or remove anything of value, right. but we can get things going, get close enough. I can get photos. I can show an investor. I can get you a cash offer and give you a ballpark of what we can get for you right away. So those are all things I think, uh, and Mike's, you know, anything you do for somebody creates currency in the relationship. And I, I, I would say I'd rather call more than less. But, but if you said, but Bill, I don't have a time to do that. Okay, that's a different question. But I do think that earlier is better than later and more is better than less. That helps um, answer your question. 
Yeah, that, that's fantastic. I see you keep talking in, about L.A., obviously, because you're in L.A., but it seems like everything has to go through the courts in L.A. Here, 90% of the time, the courts give the uh, PR full authority. So you, they have the right to sell without going to the courts. I mean, do you guys have the same thing? Oh, you do yeah. too? Yeah, we have 800 filings a month, and maybe we have 35 or 40 sales a month. So okay. I'd say you know, uh, 95% of real estate. Well, that's not quite true because not all have uh, real estate sales. So, uh, but I'd say 90% of the real estate sold in probate does not go to court for approval. Now, the 10% that does, I'm right there to look for the good deals and that's my that's niche. And, and yeah, and, and so I think for most realtors, that's not, that doesn't make sense for them to compete in that niche because they, they may, the good realtors have other business that they're busy with. It tells you more localized. I don't, you know, if I, if I sell a bunch of houses in the South Bay or Pasadena, it's harder to also compete with me on flicks and flips in South LA or around the Valley. Um, So there are some agents who specialize in probate. They tend to focus either on attorneys or on the reps. I tend to more focus on the court is kind of my, is my farm area, if you will. I'm actually going to, I'm trying to make this uh, what I deal with. My partner takes care of like first time home buyers. And I, I'm going to take care of this now. And uh, I'm going after the reps. That's, that's where my, I'm focused on. Um, a couple of weeks ago, you had a guy on here and he gave his uh, speech. He does uh, to the clients when he calls them. Mm-hmm. It, it was excellent. Do you, <laughs> you don't know who he is or how to get that speech. Do you? Cause that, that was, Gosh. I mean, yeah, so oh, Josh. Well, it was like three weeks. Oh, Josh. Okay. That's Josh okay. Vigo hyphen fast. Great guy. Um, I you know I don't have like my the videos indexed or anything. I'm not that quite that. No, 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 no. Today. Obviously. But but what I will say is that I know where he his training is from. Um, you know I like Mike Torres's training MTI and the C Press is a good certification. I would say the better coaching and the better um, certification training um, is allthe-leads.com. You know, um, I tried, I was going to go to them first, but they just never answered the phone. I called them like 10 times and I went to MCI. Hmm. I'm um, actually on their email list. They keep sending me uh, emails, uh, texts every day. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I can't explain that. But what I can say is that um, on their website, which has the answer to your question, the scripting is there, allthe-leads.com. Yeah. They give away more great training than anybody else sells. And um, they have a weekly hiatus for a couple of weeks, but they're all recorded on their website and they're all recorded mm-hmm. on their YouTube. Um, and they have a monthly role play, specifically role play, and they role play that script. Um, and it's recorded on the website. It's also recorded oh. on YouTube. So I I'm tell check people, that out. people I bring on my team, I tell them to, I actually make them do a training uh, an hour a day. And for people like you, I would say you should listen to as much of that as you can stomach, and then a little bit more. I will. Uh, it's really good. The, the head coach there is Chad Corbett. He really was my original coach in, in probate and really got me um, on track and uh, focused. And um, I would say he's responsible for a good chunk of my success uh, as, as a probate agent. He's really uh, phenomenal. Um, so I would definitely check out all the leads.com. And I, I, I like MTI and I, I watch their, their, um, their Facebook group okay. is good. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that all the leads is just a different level. Yeah, the training was okay at MTI. I didn't really love it, honestly. I learned enough. That's why after that, I went and hired a mentor and he helped me uh, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But he's he's not like my personality. I'm very like, I go right at you. And he's mm-hmm. very laid back. And he, he's the one who says, wait three months before or six months before you contact him. I'm not like oh. that. I, you know, I go, mm-hmm. I like going for the kill right away. Neil, where are you from? You're not from Florida. Where are you from? No, New York. How'd yeah. I guess? What part of New York? <laughs> um, born, raised in Manhattan and lived on the island, Massapequa Park, you know, Havistore, Queens, all those areas. Notice is the island. There's like a million islands in America, but to guys like you, it's the island. Yeah, yeah it's the only island. It's got two things, the islanders and the island. <laughs> got it. My, my daughter married a boy from Plainview, kind of right in the middle of- Oh, yeah. Um, I know Plainview very well. Yeah. Okay, good. He's on the island. <laughs> yeah, he, well, yeah, he has to say he's from the island. He says from Long Island. There's, yeah. there's some New Yorkers say the island, others say, because uh, Manhattan's an island also, you know. It, it's the city. It's the city. Long Island that's is city. the island. That's it. There's that's a lot of cities in America. New York's one. There's a lot of cities. 
we, we can argue this one all day. I know. I'm going to lose that <laughs> one. Gotta, see, there you go. There's another New Yorker right there. We're okay. arguing over who is my my uh, daughter's pregnant. We're arguing over the uh, baby going to be in a New York Yankee uniform or Dodger uniform. I think I lost Ooh. that one to my. Uh, I was going to say you lose on that one. Yeah, I, mean, I think if he if he if first grandkid, he's entitled to whatever he wants. So I'm going to give him that one. Okay. Um, I appreciate Greg. the info. Thank you so yeah, my much. Pleasure. For that. Yeah, my pleasure. I got a question here in the chat box from um, Andrea. Uh, mentioned realtors bring back the group pitch listing just for clarification. Um, after finding the deal in the MLS, you're saying bring it to the group. At that point, I must be listing agent first as a bring the deal group. Well, I, no, I, I mean, I think when I say pitch, pitch property, I mean, if you have a deal, um, most deals uh, are going to be off market, off market property under contract, but you're trying to, you're trying to sell it, bring it here. I would say the agency for property off market, for sure, bring it here. If you're a property that's on the MLS that you happen to know something uniquely about, uh, I would say bring it here. Um, but generally, if it's on the MLS, people have seen the property. If you have a problem, if you have a file, let's say a, a, a property that you want to understand, how do I get my buyer in on this deal? Or how do I, you know, what's the story behind it? I'm always glad to go through case stories of properties. So if you have a particular one that maybe you, uh, you know, you call the listing agent, you know, they don't respond, you don't know why, maybe I can walk you through that. I would say best if you could send to me ahead of time, because sometimes I can research it. I, I have to tell you all day long, as a result of this call, I get, I get investors, wholesalers, and other agents who will say, hey, Bill, I got, this, I got this listing. I got this lead. I got this deal. And, uh, and there's a story to it. And it's interesting. And I feel like, like I live in this reality show where my job is to figure out you know, what's going on and uh, researching in the uh, public record information, researching in uh, the probate court files, my own database. I have a database. I subscribe to four different services. And then we also scrape data and I kind of put it all together. With some virtual assistant. So um, I love researching and uncovering what the story is. I have another call I do on Tuesdays, and there's a gal there who works distressed properties, and she had a property she found. And it turned out it was a probate, but it was also being litigated. And the challenge mm -hmm. of litigation is, you know, it could go on for years. Um, but as I said to the group, if you get to the person in control, uh, then you can help solve the problem, perhaps. And, I, and I, I saw what the problem was, and perhaps I can help it. So, uh, Andrew, to you, I'd say, if you have a, a deal that's a problem, bring it here. Or if maybe you want to present to your buyer, but you're not sure how that really works. As an agent, bring it here. If you could send it to me before the call, I could share it on the screen, and we could walk through it together, okay? Good. Glad to help. Glad to help any way I can. Uh, Peggy raised her hand, I think. I did, but then I put the question in the chat. I, oh. I just curious if uh, any of the real estate agents ever asked the sellers if they would do a carry back, if the family would do a carry back. Uh, just it, it opens up doors for more people yeah. to come in and gives other people opportunities to purchase. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, it, it makes sense that there should be a good percentage of that business done that way. And I've never seen it done. Um, I've never seen a sale confirmed that way. Uh, I've offered it. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that, um, uh, of course, you know, if we don't know how to do it properly, we won't have the confidence to present it. But for, um, and I think the other reason why Peggy is in a normal sale, there's no tax advantages, but in many of the probates, there's a free step up uh, right. in the basis. So they're, they're not trying to avoid a taxable issue the same way that a normal sale is. So it's not as common, but it happens. And I, I would say it's certainly worth, you know, any realtor knowing, um, do you do uh, uh, private notes and that kind of stuff? Is that, is that part of your portfolio? My own? Yeah. Yeah, I had, I had in the past, I don't do that anymore. I do 1031 exchange, it's all about equities and there's a hundred ways to put a deal together. Right. So, I right. mean, real estate agents I have found working in several different offices at one time as they only know cash. They don't, they don't get educated in, in creative financing, et cetera, or using right. equities right. Right. or 1031 or any of that. Well, I, the thing I would say to people is we get paid to solve people's problems. Sometimes the problem is just selling the house. Sometimes the problem is they have an asset. Now what are they going to do with it? You know, imagine today 
uh, we all think it'd be great if somebody passing and gave us a million dollars. What would you do with it, right? Well, the stock market's been way down the last few days. You might be scared to put in the stock market. Um, uh, you, you could say, well, buy real estate. And that's such a simple thing. You got to find the right property. Um, and sometimes carrying a note is easy, especially if the security is a property that you know and are comfortable with already. You know the neighborhood, you know the house and such. So I, I, I think that there should be, I think that you're right to ask the question. There's, there should be a lot more uh, cases where sellers carry notes rather than selling cash. Uh, if, if for no other reason that it's a superior investment, then what they're going to do with it. You know, Peggy, you, you have a client I referred to you who's just sitting on cash, doesn't know what to do, right? And it's, it's not, it's, it, on one hand, that's a good problem to have. I wish I had that problem, too much cash. I don't have the problem. But on the flip side, for the person who has a problem and needs to, do things with the money, um, it's a problem, right? Yep. So and then the other it. side is a, a reverse mortgage. You can't carry back with a reverse mortgage. It has to get paid off or they'll foreclose and take the property. And right. most of them don't give you much time. So, Right. The reverse mortgages are not the majority of probates. They're still a small minority, but a growing frequency, but still a very, very small minority of, of overall um, overall properties. Yeah. Well, if people have a lot of cash and they need it and working for them, you know, I'm the person to call to get that invested for them. Yeah. I've, I've, properties. I'd refer them to you for sure. Good. Um, okay. Well, um, I think we're kind of coming up in the witching hour here. I got to run about five minutes. So um, thanks for participating. Um, this call we do every Thursday. It's probateweekly.com. Um, you might want to pay attention because we're going to have to change our, we haven't had a problem here this week. We've had problems in the, on my other call where we got Zoom bombed a couple of times. And so for security, you might change the registration here. But uh, so pay attention if you're interested in coming back regularly. Love having you guys on regularly. My long-term goal is to be working together, pushing each other, supporting each other, helping each other. Uh, and, and that, I think, uh, creates opportunity for all of us to achieve our goals, whether you're a brand new Asian investor or you're uh, longer term and looking to grow your business. So I appreciate your participation today. If I can call, uh, if I can help in any way, call, text, email, uh, Bill Gross. My number is 310-210-0008. Uh, I am uh, thelaprobateexpert.com. And this is Probate Weekly. Thank you so much for participating. I really appreciate you guys.